professional football has come out on Twitter and he's received criticism and and his his essential argument is yeah but you're fucking virgins. Do you know what I mean? Like that, 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 that's 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 what he's that's what that's essentially what's happened there. And, and that, like take I, that insults. No, but no, no, he's totally that. But like I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation tomorrow, bro. It's people's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave. Hello, comrades, and you're very welcome to the football spin. It's a football spin on a Monday morning after the Europa League semi final. Manchester United going out to Sevilla at the semi-final stage, their third semi-final exit this year for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his team. We'll be talking about that. We'll also be talking as well about City. We'll have a little bit more about them and lots of social media shenanigans there and uh, some Arsenal as well. But first of all, well, the gang is back together. Naz Chowdhury is here and so is Dion Fanning. Welcome back, Dion. Thanks, Paddy. Hey, Naz. How's it going? Good, good. You? Good, very well, thanks. Well, yeah, good. Did you have a nice break, Dion? What? Where did you? Where did you? Can we ask where you went? Is that allowed? It is. Um, yeah, you're allowed uh, in Ireland. You're allowed holiday when in Ireland. You're, oh, yeah. good man. So I, I went to uh, went to West Cork. Beautiful couple of weeks. Uh, didn't go. Didn't do anything. Uh, just lovely. Weather was great. Family had a good time. Never really been a person for holidays much, but uh, um, this was a this was 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 very very nice and uh yeah it felt um felt like quite quite a quite a struggle to to get back on the on, on Saturday did you get the football in Dion was there a good reception sometimes when you go away you might well you might have a television first of all no, no we know we know no, I had wi-fi so I watched I watched a couple of the games I watched uh I watched Barcelona I watched uh what did I watch? Watch Barcelona and what else did I watch? I was back for the Leon game, so I watched Leon City. I watched Barcelona Bayern, obviously on Friday night, and I watched Atalanta PSG. They were the ones I watched. Um, okay. But uh, and now I'm back, Paddy. Here you are, Dion, and um, you brought the you brought the weather with you. Hey? Well, do you know? Do you know? Did you see? Um, just give a sense of of how it feels to be back. People say they're usually back. They're full of you know. They're recharged. Uh, but you know it's a rainy, miserable morning in Dublin, and I would say I feel. Did you see Pep Guardiola after the game? Did you see his press conference after the match on on uh, on Saturday night? Uh, basically, it was about ten minutes of Pep Guardiola sighing. <laughs> just it started with a long sigh, and then there were just a number of other Pep Guardiola sighs. And that's how I feel this morning. <laughs> I just, um, if, if Pep Guardiola, just, you know, Pep Guardiola's size sums up how I feel this morning to be back. How is it? Well, can, can I just interject and ask, and ask what, what West Cork is like? Because being a true crime sort of uh, fanatic as oh, I am, okay, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I know it due to, um, due, due to the, the podcast West Cork. Um, yeah. and, and what I ascertained from that, is a obviously there was there was a high high profile sort of murder happen around there, but also it it sounds like the kind of place where metropolitan elites holiday. 
I even think the whole like 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 a big theme in 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 the podcast is 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 about is about journalists going there for like second homes and like it being right. really and it being really bohemian and sort of quite sort of hippie-ish and like French yeah, people yeah. holidaying there and stuff to, to well, see the, the real island. Well, yeah, I don't think it is the. Re- I think I don't think it's the real island, uh, whatever that means. Um, but uh, I think you probably go down so many blind alleys trying to establish what the real Ireland is that you'd, uh, <laughs> um, there's no point in going there. But um, yeah, it's uh, it is. Well, I think even this year, like I don't know if um, like I'd never. I went there last year, and then we went back again this year, and we rented we rented a place down there. Uh, and there are there is there is that thing a lot of people have moved around have moved to that area so it's not like you don't feel like uh um like there's a there's a there's a supermarket on the way to west cork um where my on the way back my wife stopped and my wife's uh, ha- uh half pakistani and she was able to get pakistani spices in this supermarket in west cork that she couldn't oh. get anywhere else so it's that kind, you know. There is, there is definitely. Uh, um, it's a melt. Uh, it's a melting pot of culture. Melting pot in a way that you know yeah. you mightn't get in other parts of uh, of Ireland. But it's also. Um, but then again, you know, you talk to people. Like I was talking to somebody from Armagh who was down on holiday there in a camper van, and he was saying that uh, they found Cork much more welcoming than Kerry. Now this is you know they say. In Cork, they'll tell you that if you go to Kerry, which is the next county up, and I personally would always have gone, you know, preferred Kerry. Uh, that they uh, and Kerry has geared itself so much towards like American tourists that they've right. forgotten about the little people. They forgot as, as, as in leprechauns. <laughs> basically, basically <laughs> racist. Uh, no, oh, uh, actually, we have a leprechaun museum in Ireland now, so we can't really complain. Like we actually, mark- we're, owning, we're owning it. Dion. Yeah, we marketed it. leprechauns. Like you know, yeah. like another shameful descent. Right. Let's get into United, um, Dion and Nas. So last night's game was interesting insofar as United, like. Clearly, we're the best team. We were talking two days ago, Dion, about Guillaume Balague doing that classic if my auntie had bollocks uh, scenario, where I was like, well, you know, if Sterling put that ball into the net and Leon don't go up the other end of the field and score, it's a totally different scenario. And there was a touch of that last night um, with United as well, where people were saying, well, you know, they had all the chances. They created four million chances in the first 20 minutes of the second half. And they looked like they were by far the superior team. Sevilla had two chances in the game, took both of them. I suppose that's the mark of a, a team that know what they're doing in the Europa League. And then we have the situation where Fernandez and Lindelof are sparking off each other. And so like in the end, obviously United are out of the Europa League. Um, no, I think I want to start with you because I think that United fans seem to be, and this seems to be a regular thing for United fans. There wasn't any sort of like ire or real sort of disappointment being directed towards, well, some members of the team, definitely Lindelof was getting it, but towards Solskjaer. And it almost feels now like United fans were happy that United performed and the results don't matter. I mean, there's an element of of sort of uh, knowing where you're at um, rather than where you want to be. Um, so so there's that. So, 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 I mean, a lot of, 
if it, if the plan was to lower expectations over 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 a series of seasons and uh, and just program people to be to settle for um, a level of of mediocrity, then then they've kind of succeeded. But I think I think uh, most United fans do appreciate that uh, um, the club is where it is and the team is where it is. And uh, and again, like like in terms of Solskjaer, um as well as well as him sort of being a uh, the fans have a fondness for him. There's, there's also there is also a sense that there is some kind of progress, um, and especially in the context of um, the managers that came before him. Um, because because the thing the thing with Solskjaer is, is you can you can there's, there's loads of legitimate things you can question about him, um, about his uh, record, about his experience, about his about his tactical nous as well. Um, but um, he. Compared to like the his predecessors, um, who had a lot more experience, um, Van Gaal and uh, and um, Mourinho uh, and, and also Moyes, um, he there, there is some kind of progress. There is there is um both in terms of sort of um, being on a sort of a trajectory, but also the football. Now the, the amount of people last night who were saying, um, oh. I don't mind if United lose if they play like that. And again, that is, a lot of that is just um, sort of consoling yourself and making yourself feel better, even though you don't sort of perhaps completely uh, believe it. But there is that sense of like in the past, United have just been deathly dull to watch, um, and 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 that's just been unbearable. So at least at least being sort of uh, interesting to watch and sort of almost teetering on being good enough. It is kind of some kind of progress. Uh, Dion, I'm going to come to you. I know you've had um, your thoughts on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer pretty consistent over the last few months, even during the, the good times. But uh, let's just hear from Solskjaer who spoke to BT Sport after the game. It's one of them that you, uh, if you take your chances, you'll win comfortably. But uh, that's not um, always the case in football. And uh, got to say, we had moments and spells in both halves that we uh, should have, could have scored quite a few. But that's... That's the thing, you know. Where when you don't take him, it's it's going to be hard. Uh, we've we've got a young, young team that will. We had three years average, less than them, and I thought some spells today maybe showed that this this group of players will will have to learn and get the consistency in the, in the play because when they play, got the ball down, when we played, you know, we pressed, created counter attack chances. It's scintillating at times. Uh, Dion, um, interesting thoughts there from Solskjaer. And to be fair, like it was watching United in that second half in particular, Martial through the centre. Like it was a hot knife through butter. They were scintillating to watch, and it was a glimpse uh, potentially of what United can be next season. Surely. Yeah, I think um, there's a couple of things. First of all, like it was uh, striking Sol- Solskjaer's mood. I think after the game, compared to uh, Pep Guardiola's the night before, where he did seem relatively upbeat about everything, and I think you know United are so exhausted at this stage in the season um, that uh, he's probably pleased in some ways that uh, they've they've played as well as well as they have done. And to go back to like the one difference, I think one of the key differences between. Uh, you know, criticizing or, or the argument when Manchester City lost to Leon 
and saying that, you know, if, if uh, certain things had gone their way, they'd have got through. And when Manchester United lost last night is that Pep Guardiola had gone out of his way to disadvantage Manchester City by the team he, with the team he picked. Whereas Solskjaer, um, like the, the equivalent would have been if uh, Daniel James and Jesse Lingard had started for Manchester United, um, which didn't happen and which, you know, notably didn't happen because he waited until, you know, the final few minutes before making any substitutions, which again seemed to underline how reliant Manchester United are on their first team and how desperate they are for <clears throat> players to come along who will to bolster that squad and to, to challenge. And I, you know, I, I don't, I don't hold with the idea that if you, you know, you have this front three, you don't, you don't bring anyone in to challenge them. I think that's what you need to do, especially with, uh, you know, if you're going to be playing Greenwood and he's a young player, you're definitely going to need somebody who can come in and be part of that front line. Uh, so I think there are positives for Manchester United. I, I, I would be as concerned that the second goal seemed to get all the attention uh, and the Lindelof mistake, especially as Fernandez then was, was arguing with him about it. And it was, it was the one that everyone focused on. But I would be pretty, pretty upset too. And we've seen, the, we've seen the pictures of Harry Maguire looking one way and, uh, uh, and everyone else looking the other before Suso's goal. Um, but I would, be, I would be concerned about that. And I think it is, uh, it, is, it is a worry for Manchester United that when you have all these chances and when you have this amount of dominance that when the other team attack they score uh that's something that is that that is an issue it's not it's not it's not just a question of saying on another night uh you know we you know you know we'd have taken our chances on another night uh those those, those chances that you that you allow the other team to have will also lead to goals so it's not uh it's not as simple as saying if you keep playing this well like the game yesterday i thought was kind of Extraordinary. It did look. It's, it's, it's sometimes it looked like a game you would see when you watch something from like the you know sort of you know, on YouTube from like the the nineteen eight early nineteen eighties like the nineteen eighty two World Cup or something because play, there was just a, players just I think are are so tired at this point that uh, that um, you know there was kind of space on the pitch. There's a lot of room for people to play and. Uh, like that was something that kind of let uh, allowed the game to be as as open as it was. So um, again, a lot we'll learn a lot more about Manchester United next season. But I did think it was striking how uh, you know if you contrast Guardiola on Saturday night with with Solskjaer uh, last night, there's a you know two you know you you, you very hard to. To say that both these men had kind of suffered, you know, important defeats. Naz, I was thinking about the way watching Scholes uh, after the game and what he was saying, what he wasn't saying about Solskjaer. And it kind of reminded me of a lot of the commentary around Frank Lampard and what ex-players and fans have been saying about him in his first season. When in his first season, when they've done markedly um, worse in comparison to how they did under uh, Maurizio Sarri, who obviously was, you know, hounded out of the club, essentially. And it, it strikes me that you can, uh, one of these, these teams have figured out that if you appoint a legend of the club, they will get more time. Whereas, you know, an ex-banker, an Italian 
banker isn't going to get the time. Van Gaal wasn't necessarily get the, going to get uh, time and patience. Okay, Mourinho got time, but the patience ran out pretty quickly. And even just looking at Scholes there last night, he has been, as we know, as all his, you know, Solskjaer's ex-teammates have been incredibly light in their criticism uh, or their analysis of of Skull, of uh, Solskjaer. So Skull says, Ole will know as as well he's done, the next step is to find a way to win something. I mean, it's Manchester United, so you would have thought that's a bloody given. And if they want to win trophies, they've got to start spending money. If Jadon Sancho was in that team tonight, United are scoring. And it's like Jadon Sancho has now become this, he's the guy, he's the, the panacea, he's going to fix absolutely everything. And there's every chance United won't sign him because Dortmund look like they're digging in, and it'll be it'll be that big saga. Like, where's your thoughts on the way the ex players and fans? I know I've asked you with the fans, but even the ex players are so uh, understanding of everything that Solskjaer does. Um, I think it's an interesting point. Um, I think I think there's two elements to, to sort of running a club these days. One is success, and obviously. That is a metric that's very easily um, sort of uh, identified. But the second is how is perception because because perception uh, e- even winning things like like that that um, feeds into perception perception in the media perception uh, amongst the fans even perception uh, amongst sponsors because obviously it's, it's it's all linked in and and if and if uh, a club looks as if it's stagnating or sort of on a downward spiral, then obviously the likes of Adidas and AIG and Samsung and all these companies will be less likely to want to be affiliated with, with your, with your club. So I think, I think you're right. I think, I think there's definitely an element of like certain, certain players who become managers um, and, and especially when they become managers of particular clubs, um, they do have friends in the media. Now, now that's, that's not to say that uh, anyone who knows anyone or anyone who had ha- who had an affiliation with anyone in the past is therefore un- unable to be uh, objective because because they are. Um, there's, there's lots of um, there's lots of ex footballer pundits who, who are able to be objective and and, and, and indeed are criticised for being uh, for for for, for criticising a club that they used to play for. Like, however, um, like with, with like in 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 the case of Solskjaer, like. Those those players, uh, and particularly the group that that sort of is in around, is is in and around the class of ninety two, they they all are friends with him. They all like him. They are all, they are all obviously sort of in on speaking terms with him and friendly with him. And they're all pundits. They are all Keane, pundits. Neville, Scholes, Ferdinand. Yeah, like he he has it sewn up because they're all his friends. It is. It's 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 true. And 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 they they will definitely give him uh, an easier ride. Um, you see it. You see it in what they say. Um, there was um, and again, like this. This isn't a hard and fast criticism. I'm just uh, I'm just putting this out there as an example. Um, there was a period of time in which um, like Gary Neville was was a, was both a pundit and a um, and involved in the England setup, and it was around about that time where Joe Hart was was making a few mistakes and 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 people were criticizing him. And and again, like this isn't this this genuinely isn't me saying that sort of. Uh, um, therefore, uh, Gary Neville was was being uh, subjective and uh, and wasn't uh, sort of being honest about Joe Hart. But there was a there was a perception uh, amongst fans that like oh, 
um, Gary Neville's sort of um, because he's got that, this link to him in the England setup, he can hardly sort of like have a go at him in the press or or or, or on Sky for being a for for, for being a, a gaff laden uh, goalkeeper when he's then got to meet him as a coach for England. So there's all sorts of sort of connections like that. But um, I think I think that's the thing, and, and it's and it's a little bit like United in the transfer market now. Um, so much of and, and and it's United in particular that so much of it is about spin. It's about me. It's about winning the, the the spin game rather than sort of getting the players they want in because it's all about briefings. It's all about how 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 things are perceived. It's all we had a situation where United have obviously lost out on Jude Bellingham, who's already looking like a great signing for Dortmund in the in in the, the like friendlies they played. He he looks really sort of like uh, talented and. And a story came out um, amongst a various sort of journalists that uh, he'd he'd been um, uh, United sort of basically um, said no to his his wage demands and, and and his dad sort of came out on social media and said like it's a pity that these lies are coming out and um, it's a pity that that people are trying to sort of like claim that this that this young talent young English talent is uh, is greedy. So again, that's another example of where the media is being used and spin is being used. To, to change perception rather than rather than fact and 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 and, and that's that's the thing with Chelsea that's the thing with United that as long as they look as a, a, like a vibrant exciting forward thinking team that's going places that's that's half the battle won yeah Dion yeah no I think that's I think it's right I think it's uh I don't think I think it's always been the way I think you can even uh like if you if you start getting <clears throat> granular about this or even maybe paranoid about this you detect this everywhere so even when you go uh when you look at the criticism of the goal last night you think right there's more criticism of Lindelof for his part in the second goal than there is of England's Harry Maguire for uh his performance leading up to the first goal and uh I don't think this is this is nothing new really and it's it's also it's just human nature that uh you're going to be more willing to be harsh about somebody you don't know or you're less likely to come into contact with than somebody you do know. But whether it's a good thing for the clubs or not, that ultimately ultimately they need managers uh, who are going to make the right decisions for the club, who are going to be able to lead the club. And there is a world of difference between a manager who is plausible in a dressing room and who is saying the right things in a dressing room and a manager who is plausible with supporters or plausible with the media. And that hasn't really changed either. But it may be that today, uh, because of the way the media works and because of the way the media include when I say the media, I'm talking about including social media, including the fact that it is all one, uh, it, is, it is all connected now in a way it has never been before, that you may, by time, by... Uh, having a manager who has the support of pundits, it only it only really works. Like this is this is something that uh, Jose Mourinho used to talk about. You know, when he would he would highlight the allegiances of pundits. You know, so you you would always have like Jamie Redknapp, Graham Souness, Jamie Carragher, Liverpool, you know, ex Liverpool players, and now you've got Neville Scholes, Ferdinand, Roy Keane, ex United players. It only really works in forming the narrative if you have that. Um, strong presence among the kind of pundit class, uh, and if you know Frank Lampard has managed to do it, 
a, a slightly different way, I think, by just getting getting the support of the media class. Um, and that is and and then there is this sort of unwavering loyalty from Chelsea supporters to him, which is great and is fine. But ultimately, it doesn't mean anything because uh, we've seen it so many times before. We've seen it with Manchester United and Jose Mourinho, where there was a huge amount of loyalty for a while from Manchester United fans to Mourinho. Uh, we've seen it with Chelsea and Jose Mourinho, where there was a huge amount of loyalty. But it doesn't really mean anything, ultimately. It buys you time, but for what? Um, and there will come a point when those supporters uh, who... Took to, who took to social media to defend their manager or to, or to attack people who criticize their manager will forget about that and and turn on him too. So it's it's ultimately about doing the right things for for the for the club and having the manager who does the right things for the club. But in the meantime, when it's marginal, when you when you're 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 wondering if they're going the right way or not, it, it doesn't do you any harm to have. Uh, have that support. Um, speaking of fans taking to social media to goad uh, managers and players and whatnot, well, Bernardo Silva cracked over the weekend, uh, Manchester City player. He tweeted, and to all Liverpool fans that have nothing else to do than to come to a Man City player account, I'm also sorry for you, but for the wrong reasons. Crying laughing emoji. Pathetic. Go celebrate your titles or try to find a partner. Drink a beer with a friend. Read a book. Face palm emoji. So many options. I know they're cry- laughing, crying emoji, but with not as not as full on. Uh, uh, it's it's pretty salty from Bernardo Silva. Or try to find a partner. Like it's uh, it's. I think it's fair to say Bernardo Silva has guaranteed himself a lifetime of being followed and reminded of this tweet by Liverpool fans, but probably just football fans in general. Um, what do you think, Naz? I mean, I can see how players just crack and then phones in your hand and suddenly your your fingers are doing that thing where, oh my God, I'm writing a tweet. I'll just leave it in drafts. No, I'll, I'll press publish and then you can't go back. I don't I, I don't know what, what's going through the minds on the... I mean, it's hilarious. Like, 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 don't get me wrong. Like, I'm glad he did it just because, like, it's now in it's now in the it's in, in the universe and that makes the world a better place. But, like, uh, mm. just, like, from his point of view, like, why do it? And it and it doesn't even it doesn't even seem as if like uh, it's a fit of rage or like I don't know like he's he he he's he's uh, after a, after a glass of wine or two he's just sort of like late at night decides to do something and then regrets it the next morning it's kind of like he's done it in in a kind of like joking not joking sort of like passive aggressive I'm having a laugh yeah. but I'm annoyed way and like essentially like like it, it's pretty mad that basically. Um, a, football, a professional footballer's come out on Twitter, and he's received criticism, and and his his essential argument is, yeah, but you're fucking virgins. Do you know what I mean? Like that, 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 that's 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 what he's that's that's essentially what's happened there. And, and I'm like, take that in, sons. No, I know, I know. It's totally that. But like, but like, as as like as as, and I go back to thing. Like, it is hilarious, and I'm glad it happened. And and, and again, like, it's great to sort of like see these human. Sort of uh, people behind the facades, and you don't want everyone to have like uh, everyone's accounts be managed by like a social media manager. Um, but yeah, like for, I, I, the thinking behind that, like maybe he just doesn't give a shit. Maybe he just thinks, well, this is how I feel. That this this is what I'm going to say. I don't regret it for one second. I'm going to enjoy any booze I might receive. 
But like, like I mean, I, I like on on a very sort of like on, on a one percent of of like or, or, or like half a percent of like what what anyone who's famous get. Like, I, I'll get all sorts of abuse, but you just you learn to sort of deal with it, and you and you learn to sort of sometimes sometimes you sort of you'll have a go, but but other, other times you just ignore it. Like I've I've had I've had Liverpool fans Photoshop the end of a penis on top of my head, and like <laughs> you kind of think you kind of think. I mean, what am I? What do you do in that situation? Do you say? Do you say? Excuse me, sir. I don't like. I don't like a rogue. A, a rogue bell end on my head. Like, 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 but like, which is which? Obviously, like, is it? It would be man to heaven for anyone to sort of like get any recognition. But like, the, the only thing he could possibly possibly have done worse is if he'd uh, quote tweeted or sort of directly sort of name checked a particular sort of piece of abuse. But other than that, like. From personal level, he's doing nothing there except except sort of like like uh, uh burning the embers a bit more and sort of like get, uh, and sort of like uh, creating more of a sort of like antagonism. Yeah, I think it's um, it's one of those things that yeah you have to just let it let it go. And uh, I think uh, Bernard Silva will be um, he will be one of these players who probably right now will be hoping that. Uh, games continue behind closed doors for a, a, a good bit of next season, at least till Manchester City play play Liverpool at Anfield, because it's uh, uh, it's a totally pointless um, ratcheting up of 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 things. In a way, you know, this is what football fans do, and every football fan thinks that other fans are obsessed with their club. In a way that uh, they are not obsessed with other clubs, um, but that's just the tribal nature of football fans and players. Probably are better off just ignoring it. Um, but it did seem to uh, it did seem to um, just reveal again a little bit of of, of sensitivity um, at at Manchester City to to certain criticism and to certain, especially from Liverpool. Like that rivalry has kind of got. Uh, has kind of has has kind of gone up a few levels, and I think it did reveal the you know just that sense that there's a little bit of uh, uh, annoyance about you know how other clubs and particularly Liverpool perceive Manchester City. It is it, I do find it interesting what you've just said about the rivalry because like for for so long, I felt as if I felt as if that uh, rivalry was being manufactured to a certain extent and i felt as if it was actually city that were trying to sort of like um create this sort of uh f- like false rivalry like like even with the even with like the official club like like the the social media getting involved trying to sort of create this sort of like tension because obviously sort of like in terms of publicity in terms of like hype in terms which obviously means money like like rivalry is where it's at and and city have got the rival with united but united's Biggest rivalry was always with with Liverpool, and I just wondered whether that it always felt artificial to a certain extent with me. But do you think it's becoming real? It becomes real just by the uh, <clears throat> the repetition of something that may at first seem false. It then becomes something more more genuine, and then it has its own momentum. And I think that's what happened with this rivalry because it, because it, because because you do kind of sense that like both like beyond sort of like having an on pitch rivalry, like there's there's a there's a rivalry between the fans in that in that like city fans will criticize Liverpool fans on mass as being uh 
of a particular ilk and vice versa. Like like they 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 just do not like each other's fandoms and sort of like a, a, a completely sort of like it's that whole thing of like oh they're a different breed or, or aren't they pathetic and and like it's like from from a United point of view it's almost weird that like two of our sort of greatest rivals are sort of like we're not part of the, we're not part of the conversation anymore just them two I I with each other. But every every fandom that's winning is insufferable. That's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. And that's Liverpool now. Was Man United not as relevant anymore? Now that's just the reality. Less, if you're not winning, let, you're not relevant. Can we just say Leicester fans were unbearable as well? Like that that didn't get enough coverage. Like like Leicester fans were were really. It's not like oh, good on the little sort of minnows for sort of winning the league. Their fans were, were unbearable, and there was definitely a Brexit element to that, which really pissed me off. But anyway. I'll leave that to I'm, I'm trying. What I'm trying to do here is man because we've not got your Liverpool in the city anymore. So I'm trying to manufacture a rivalry with Leicester City. Know your level, Naz. I think that's admirable. Um, there's Everton, West Ham, even you know there's a, there's options for you for Manchester United. So don't despair. Um, but uh, yeah, Leicester and Everton are, are nearby. Everton Northwest. So look at that. There's always that. Um, let's talk. Let's move on to um, Arsenal, who of course. Um, are have parted company with their head of football, Raul Sanieli. That's not the story. Um, Tony Adams has described Edu as a beautiful man. That's not the story either. Uh, but it is Tony Adams talking about the problems with Arsenal's recruitment strategy, the, that how it goes against the DNA of the club. This is him talking to Talk Sport about that very thing. I think it's a... All to do, and this is my fundamental issue at the moment, is recruitment. Yeah. I think the club is going through such a recruitment issue at the moment, and it's not relying on agents. I think that's not the way to go. You know, it's not Arsenal DNA, I'm afraid. You know, I don't like it. I've got to say it publicly. You know, Steve Rowley, 40 years to build that scouting network. It did brilliantly. Absolutely brilliantly, got the best players from around the world and in their own two academy, and it's just been it's been blown up. Adu has got I love Adu. You know, you asked Razor about Adu. Mm. He's a beautiful man, a lovely man. It's not personal. No experience of being building European squads. You know, and and even Raul come from Barcelona. All the money in the world. It don't look like he's going to get money here. <laughs> so, you know, those people are kind of out of their depth. I'm sorry, you know what I mean? You, you mm. need to build a, a fantastic squad that challenges for the league and it and it hurts. Adams, they're talking to TalkSport and a couple of strange things going on. A lot of strange things going on at Arsenal. But first of all, Senyeli left at the weekend, uh, the head of football. He's a guy that's been in the background, but he was expected, to, came from Barcelona, uh, where he'd held his position as director of football for 14 years. So coming with a big reputation, didn't last as long as he had signed a three-year contract, but only lasted for two. Then, of course, there was the news of the internal review of their signing, record signing of Nicolas Pepe from Lille last summer, which like a really strange one whereby they feel that they got the right player, but they just didn't get him for the right price. They just didn't bargain hard enough. So lots of strange things going on at Arsenal. And obviously, Tony Adams... Well, Dion, it's not surprising to hear Tony Adams harking back to the glory days, the uh, extensive scouting network, but that's not really how football works anymore. No, it's 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 not. It's it's interesting. Like it is again, Arsenal, like a lot of clubs, and we've talked about Manchester United in this context. We've talked about Frank Lampard in this context. Uh, perhaps Arsenal might again 
wonder about what you, what, you know, that sense of what you get if you have somebody who is who is a club legend and uh, I don't know if Arteta qualifies as a club legend as a manager, as a player, maybe he does, but um, you also have this uh, commentariat around a club that is going to hark back to a, a glorious time, even though in the case of Arsenal, like you should be able to say, well, that had, that time had passed because it clearly passed while uh, the manager who was responsible for that creating that legend was still in the job. So, um, if Arsenal, if Arsene Wenger had left Arsenal in two thousand and eight, maybe you would then have understandably have had ten years of people saying this is not how Arsene Wenger did it. But you had another ten years of watching how Arsene Wenger did it with with mixed results. So. Uh, and I say that as somebody who's going, you know, I think Wenger was an amazing force for good for Arsenal and for English football. But the last 10 years demonstrated that things needed to change. And they just, Arsenal were experiencing the same season over and over again. So for for Adams to look back upon that time as, you know, there's a, there's a golden age we can get back to, or this isn't in the Arsenal DNA, it might be clear or it might be necessary to kind of think, well, the Arsenal DNA needs to change. Uh, and that's not to say that Sanyeli was the right person to be doing that job. And, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of um, reasons to think that he, that he wasn't. But you talk about, if you talk about agents just in, as, a, as an idea that, the, you know, that agents uh, shouldn't be, you know, that's not the way Arsenal work. Uh, Liverpool, who you know, the, when when John Henry took over the club, he would have he looked at he looked at in, how football worked and described it as 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 the Wild West. Uh, but Liverpool paid more to agents, have paid more to agents every year than any other club, and that's probably just an understanding that this may be how you get things done. Now, at the same time, uh, there I you know I there's a piece in the Atlantic, Atlantic uh, where they say. Um, uh, you know that that there's been a little bit of uh, awareness at Arsenal how certain agents have uh, have become more prominent under Sanyeli and um, you know Kia Jarabshian was mentioned Arturo Canales uh, is is somebody who who represented Emery and talks over his possible over his appointment and he's somebody who's become who's close to close to uh, who was close to Sanyeli. Um, and that's something that uh, Arsenal might feel uncomfortable with. And in, in the Athletic piece, they mentioned that at one point in his reign, Arsene Wenger was so opposed to the influence of agents that he insisted any meetings with intermediaries be held at the in the media building, away from football matters. Uh, whereas now, agents representing Arsenal first team players have reported seeing Canales on the club's premises. His proximity this is from the Athletic piece. His proximity to Sanjeli even left some intermediaries feeling compelled to go through Canales when attempting to negotiate contract renewals. Jarabshin and others had been invited into the director's box on the day Cedric Soares and Mari joined on loan. Sanyeli joined contract specialist whose family and technical director Edu, Edu Gaspard in a formal dinner along with the players, Canales and Jarabshin. So, uh, as the Atlantic piece says, there may be something of a culture clash in Spain. That kind of fraternization with intermediaries is more accepted. At Arsenal, however, some found it deeply uncomfortable. 
Now, there, there may be issues there, but again, it may be an under, like Arsenal need to find some way because they are not uh, at the forefront of, of signing players. They're not the club that p- people think about when uh, the big signings are being made, and maybe they have to find some way of getting into that conversation. Now, equally, you know, you know, there's stories then about them feeling they've overpaid for certain players, but that is, it is one of those balancing acts. And again, Manchester United have done that. You know, you looked at Ed Woodward developing a a, a, a relationship with 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 George Mendes, so that you know that, that that so that United you know players were coming there. Um, and these are the, these are the connections that sometimes people feel that they have to make. And yet there are times when people think, right. Is this is this the right thing for the club to be doing? So it's a difficult one for Arsenal, uh, but I think there is there there are legitimate criticisms and legitimate questions to be asked. But the idea that you somehow hark back to how things went before isn't isn't the answer either. Naz, with the director of football role at Arsenal and and how it's working. Is that something like from a Manchester United point of view, famously no director of football, lots of talk over the years that there that there would be the role created. Solskjaer, especially when that was that sort of perception that he was a base screen and wouldn't maybe need a director of football. That chat has kind of gone away, albeit every now and then you'll hear that Ed Woodward, who I suppose is the de facto director of football, even though he doesn't have the credentials, um, you'll hear that he's considering it again. Uh, like looking at Arsenal and that sort of disarray, what's your thoughts on on that role and how it works and how it should work in a modern club? It's 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 hard because because there's no there's no simple solutions to anything. Like like it's not as if like this model can be brought in from another club to your club or this individual can be brought in and then they can build the team. Because like with Sanjeli, um presumably um what 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 uh, Arsenal were trying to do is try and replicate something that he'd achieved at Barcelona or felt that his black book of contacts or whatever could help them sort of uh in terms of signing players that of the caliber that that Barcelona were were able to sign so in in terms of I'd, I mean again it's hard to know because we're on the on the outside we can only sort of like uh Guess at what's really going on by the snippets of information we, we're given by people who 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 are spoken to people who are in the know. But it seems at United, it seems as if there's a, a sense that people there is there's a structure in place, but it's it's the people in within that structure that you question. You kind of think, are they qualified to do what they should be doing? And it's quite, but it's quite straightforward in terms of what that structure is and what people are meant to do, even if they're not very good. Or they haven't proved that they're brilliant at doing it. At, um, at Arsenal, it just it feels far more complicated. At Arsenal, it feels as if like it's this weird um, political thing where it's almost like House of Cards, sort of, and or like uh, I don't know, like game. I've never seen Game of Thrones, but I'm guessing the premise is that there's this throne that they all want to sit on, and they get special powers if they sit on the throne. So, um. <laughs> Which is nailed it, Naz. Nailed it. <laughs> no need for anyone to watch it. <laughs> well, shit, we should have had that spoiler oh. uh, warning at the top <laughs> of the show. But like, like at Arsenal, every move feels as if like because every move is it, 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 like the, the from the point of view of the person that it's affecting, they tell their own story. So 
from from and it's interesting that we use we use uh, Tony Adams as like a jumping off point because he's he's sort of a he's he he seems to be harking back to sort of like uh, a group like a a scouting network that that he's familiar with he knows the people and um and he trusts and that's what he's defending you get other people who who seem to suggest that um um Giacharabjan and uh, and Edu are like a, a dangerous mixture, a, a, well, a dangerous combination of people in terms of there being vested interests and sort of players that obviously Giacharabjan sort of um, uh, represents or has has sort of uh, um, relationships with, and and those players coincidentally seem to be coming into the club even over this summer. Um, you've you've obviously got that sort of added sort of complication of like the whole sort of furloughing thing uh, recently, where that's as well as as well as Arsenal getting rid of, uh, um, in a very cruel way, getting rid of like uh, admin and sort of uh, um, um, great, like uh, like like uh, people beyond the football sort of side in in the middle of a massive recession. There's also an element as if like that furlough sort of process was used to get rid of of a big chunk of the scouting network. Um, th- 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 there's so many levels to it, and there's so many layers to it that you don't know who's Working um, to the best interests of the club, or just themselves, and 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 I think that's that's what you've got to try and untangle, and that's what makes it such a mess because because it, it it does feel as if like every, there's a massive power game going on at Arsenal, and and every, everyone's involved, everyone's against each other, and even even sort of like uh, ex players and and people who are connected to the club outside of of the actual working of the club now, they seem to have their own sort of allegiances and interests. Yeah, it's interesting. I suppose the one beacon there is is Arteta. Does seem to be, yeah, the man that can take the club forward. And uh, I actually think he's like, especially in the, the towards the end of the season and and in the FA Cup, showed real metal and rose to the challenge. And that was the big question mark about Arteta if he could do, having been um you know essentially Pep's shadow at City, if that would be enough. But I think he he's he's probably the right man for the job. But it's it's all that drama, all that. Uh, Game of Thrones drama, Nas, as you say, they've want to sit on that chair and that, magical that magic, powers yeah. will follow. Yep. That's it. <laughs> okay, look, at it. we should leave it there. Uh, thanks very much, Dion. Great to have you back. Great and... to be back. Great to be back. Ah, that's the man. And uh, Nas, as ever, here we are, you know. It's, uh, we'll keep going. We'll keep trucking. Um, we'll be back. We'll be back later in the week. Um, we'll be back after the Champions League semi-finals. If you haven't already done so, please do click subscribe to get these shows into your feed and you'll never miss a show. And thanks very much for listening. Talk again soon. Good luck. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation tomorrow, bro. People's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? (laughs) It's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take it as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that. Politics, coronavirus... Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave.